Welcome to the ABCs of Matrescence. We are two mamas, Emma and Mackenzie, and we both have toddler age boys. And here on our podcast, we chat all things real motherhood from A to Z and absolutely everything in between. Matrescence is the process of becoming a mother, and that is something that we dive into each and every episode. Thanks so much for being with us. Hello, everyone. Hey there. How's it going? How are you this evening? How are you? Remember, hey, it could be the middle of the night. And since we're talking about baby sleep. Yeah, I hope it's not the middle of the night for you guys. But I listen to a lot of podcasts in the middle of the night. So I know. I love that you did that. I really do. Like, I seriously have like every time I listen to the mom hour, I almost am taken back to those early days because that was just for whatever reason, the podcast that I binge. So it's almost like I found their voices very soothing, I think. So it was like this calm middle of the night. Like they're not overly crazy. They're just kind of chill, chill moms. And it was a good reminder to deep breath, just relax. So do I think, don't think we're going to be that I was going to say, do you think, do you, do you think <laughs> no, that's I don't. for somebody else? <laughs> Sorry, that's, if, that's if, probably not our vibe. You know, if I recall, I think we... Well, you were actually making fun of me on the on the episode we were chatting about all the things we said we wouldn't do as mothers until we became mothers. And you were like, no, chill is definitely not who you are. <laughs> no, definitely not. That is not a describer. I mean, I, I want to pretend like I'm chill, but I'm not that chill. I'm too snarky and sarcastic to be really chill or soothing, I guess, would probably not be the term I would go for. But anyway, I hope we entertain you. <laughs> I'm yes. anxious. I hope we're entertaining. <laughs> there we go. See? <laughs> Those are great descriptors of our personalities. (laughs) Why do people listen to us? A a lot to offer. Yeah, yeah. Hey, though, but if you're listening to this in the middle of the night, hopefully you're at least laughing in your sleepy haze. And if we're doing that, then we're doing something right. So, absolutely. Well, thank you as always for joining us today. And we're really sick of COVID. So, we're going to do. Just a little gloss over the chicken. We're both alive. Our children are alive. Our husbands are alive. And we're going to move right along. And we're going to play a little Would You Rather game. So are you ready, Emma? First question. I'm ready. I know. I really actually haven't looked over these. So I'm <laughs> Oh my gosh, excited. this is going to be even more fun. Be a surprise. Yep. Okay. okay. Hmm. Would you rather step in pee or step on a Lego? A Lego. What about you? I feel like the Lego just because the pee, I'd have to clean it up. But exactly. I feel like I hate the Lego pain would hurt of the more. Lego. Yeah, yeah. But I'll yeah. take the pain over cleaning up pee. So I guess that's where we stand. Yeah, true. All right. Would you rather shower in peace or grocery shop in peace? Grocery shop in peace. I know. I think me too. Because at first I was like shower, but then I was like, no. I mean, I don't mind. I guess a quick shower. Grocery shopping is really nice to do at a leisurely pace. Yeah, it's really annoying to have somebody yelling at you in public, you know, little tiny dictators yelling at you in the middle of the store while you're trying to buy stuff. So, yeah. Very true. Well, somebody actually yelled at me today in real life. I was waiting in line for like an outdoor coffee. It was like a like an outdoor coffee shop. And this woman that I got too close to her, we were all masked. And she like whipped her head around. She was like, you need to respect the six feet. And I was like, whoa, lady. It was the first time someone's gone like a COVID Karen on me. It was Look wild. at you, jail. Yeah. I know. I was like late. And then I, I like looked. I was so taken back. I was like, I was like, okay, but I was like going to start to say, but you don't need to say it to me like that. But like, I just stopped myself because I'm like, this isn't the kind of woman that like needs my lesson on kindness right now. That's probably wise. She sounded a little intense. So she sometimes just, just take your extra two feet of space and, and move away. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, be careful in those grocery stores. They're wild places. Maybe you should just take a shower. Oh, goodness. Um, all right. So the next one is, would you rather sleep in or take a nap? Take a nap. 
I would rather sleep in. I'm not asleep. You know that. I'm not a sleeping girl. I'm a like hit the ground running at 5 a.m. So yeah, take a nap. Give me a nap. You cry. All right. Would you rather deal with an explosive diaper in a public restroom or deal with vomit in the crib in the middle of the night? Mm, that's tough. I've actually never dealt with either, so I'll call that a plus. Um, probably an explosive diaper. I, I'll do so. I just had coffee with a friend today. Hi, Jenna. And she just had an explosive diaper in a public restroom, and she just straight up threw that onesie away, threw the whole outfit away, <laughs> threw that baby back in the stroller, and she was good to go. So I, I would do that, yeah. So I've had both <laughs> experiences. You. you have way more bodily fluid experience than I yeah, do. Yeah, n- so. not like vomit. Like he wasn't like nauseous, but like spit up in the middle of the night. So I used to spit up so, so much. It's actually insane to think back on it. Um, I would, though, choose the explosive diaper because I've had it. It's happened. And it's just, you know what? You're already out. Like you already have a baby. You have your diaper bag that's ninja packed. Like you're pretty much good to go. So as opposed to like in the middle of the night when you're already probably up for a feeding session or a whiny baby, like you don't also need vomit. So no, no. All right. So would you rather never do the dishes again or never do laundry again? Never do the dishes again. I don't, I don't hate laundry. Yeah. I said the same. I'm also really picky about laundry. Like certain things need to not dry all the way. Um, I just, yeah, I I was just having a conversation the other day about sorting colors and that kind of stuff. And I don't do any of that. I'm not gonna lie. I just throw everything in. But I'm really picky about hanging stuff versus throwing stuff in the jar because I wear so much workout clothes and I do not throw any of that in the jar. So Mm. I'm kind of picky about that. I sort lights and darks, but no, that's it. And just because there's two bins. The thing has two bins. But maybe I'm like overdoing it. Um, Would you rather run out of diapers or run out of wipes? Definitely wipes. I I can, you know, grab a cloth or something. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, I guess this isn't, like, that inventive of a question. But the thought of, like, not having wipes, I mean, I guess if you have paper towels. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be great to run out of wipes, but I feel like you could wet a paper towel and achieve something, whereas a diaper is, you know, hard to replace. (laughs) That's very very true. It's a very hard to replace item. Her children are running around with, like, tin foil. (laughs) I was sitting here thinking something to do with duct tape, but I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't seem comfortable or appropriate. Listen, Owen couldn't take that diaper off. That's true. I'm considering taping his diaper and his pajamas. I was going to say, include his PJs in there too. (laughs) We'll see if he uh, manages to accomplish getting out of his pajamas in the middle of the night. If so, duct tape is up next. So be warned, (laughs) child. Um, Okay. Would you rather listen to your child wine or listen to your significant other wine? My child. I have zero patience for my husband's whining. That's so funny. At least my child is like, you know, a baby. I guess he's louder though, so it depends. So I feel like I'd rather listen to my husband just simply because he doesn't really complain much. So I feel like I would almost be like, oh, this is novel. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. That's a good thing. Um, all right. Would you rather give up fruits or give up sweets? Mm-hmm. I would, that's tough. I'd actually rather give up sweet. I really like fruit i eat a couple times a day and i think that would be harder to permanently give up than sweets i agree and i shocked myself when i that is shocking that's not what i expected you to say well we know my sweet tooth is aggressive however the thought i also eat fruit multiple times a day and so like the thought of like not having any fruit in my diet like that pains me more yeah, not having fruit for breakfast. That's definitely a breakfast staple for me. That would be weird. Like, I'm not going to replace my, you know, morning banana and berries with a peanut butter cup. So, 
you know, I mean, yeah, maybe. no, that's true. And like in the afternoon, I like fruit to accompany my sweets, but I exactly. realize it would have to replace them. Anyways, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. fruit it is. All right, would you rather only have one kiddo or have six kiddos? Oh, no, that's not a question. Give me a break. One, I love my Owen. He's fine. He's perfect the way he is. Six, hard pass. <laughs> yeah, I'm going yeah. with my one right there too. Yeah. All right, so, well, hey, it's easy. Kind of fun. Those are also like the best. You know, you're like, yeah. would you rather this or that? Or yeah. Nice and nice and fun and definitely a lot more fun than talking about COVID. So I have zero interest in discussing COVID. So no. Yeah. But, but yeah. let's definitely chat our topic today. So we are talking our most requested topic, I would say by far, baby sleep. Baby sleep. It's a good one. Or lack thereof. Take your True. pick. Yep. Depends on the night. But things with us have been at least a little bit better, right? Having toddlers is better in some ways than the newborn phase concerning sleep. So today is just going to be the two of us. We do have a specialist, Ariel Greenleaf of Expect to Sleep Again. That's our Instagram handle at Expect to Sleep Again. She's going to be joining us for our next episode to offer our listeners her wealth of knowledge and practical advice. And we've also taken some questions from you all from our listeners and we're going to be asking her those. So that'll be a little fun to get her responses and dig in a little bit deeper with what she can share with us. But for tonight's episode, again, I said tonight again, hey, hey, if you're listening early in the morning, good morning. We're hmm. going to share our experiences and also some of our tips and suggestions related to what has worked for us. So that is what's on the dock it for tonight. So, AKA, this is our disclaimer that we have a professional coming on today. We're <laughs> just probably going to complain about all the sleep woes that we've had over the years. And I mean, I, I do think we've learned a good bit. Um, mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a lot of struggle. So today's the real talk and you'll actually get some professional solutions on our next podcast but i hope you can at least commiserate and know that we've kind of run the gamut of uh sleep challenges and you are definitely not alone if you are in that same boat yep and then we're also going to share a little bit towards the latter half of the episode just some things that have worked for us some like notable actual suggestions that we could give things that like if you know we have friends that ask us hey what do you do for x y or z this is some suggestions we give so we do have some ideas that we do want to share with all of you and yeah just to kind of give you that little piece of information that you may not know or if right now you're expecting something that you can think about throwing on your registry etc or if you are going through any transition or whatnot with your kiddo at the moment perhaps something we say today would be helpful so all right, so jumping on in, Emma, what was the reality of the first few weeks slash months for you with your little sweet baby Owen? I mean, he was adorable. He was cuddly. He was all adorable. The, all the sweet things. Yeah, he was. Um, but yeah, a good sleeper he was not. Mm. So the first few weeks, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, let's be real. I had never been around an infant i did not like read a ton about infant sleep or anything going into having a baby i i kind of just thought they would sleep i bought the bassinet i thought you lay them in the bait you know in the bed and and voila baby sleep obviously very naive was not the case so um he did not take to a bassinet at all he i say he was a terrible sleeper in that he would only sleep on me and when he did, I mean, don't get me wrong, he would sleep for hours, but that's not ideal permanently. And for the first couple of weeks, I was kind of like, I didn't want to put him down, if I'm going to be honest. Like, 
I, I loved it. it. He was brand new. I didn't want to even lay him in the bassinet. So we snuggled. And I don't know in hindsight if that was a mistake or not, that we didn't practice putting him down a little bit earlier. But when we did attempt to move him to um, the bassinet, it was just a no-go. I mean, literally the second we put that child down, waterworks over and over and over again. So I felt really discouraged. I signed up for uh, taking care of babies, newborn class. I, I watched it, I think, all in one sitting from like 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. one night. And, you know, I felt like very confident of, okay, now I have all the tools and I tried all the things and none of them worked. <sighs> so it was very defeating. And I felt very much, I think, like, what am I doing wrong and I, I don't know if that's the case in hindsight, you know, whether it was him, whether it was me, but needless to say, I swore I would never co-sleep and we did. He slept generally on me. Um, when he did, he would give me a few hours overnight, but I'd say for the first four months, I personally never slept more than about 90 minutes and he never slept more than two hours. Wow, so girl. I can just say the first few months um, were a hot mess. That's pretty much how I would describe them. So, yeah, I, it's funny. I was telling you before we recorded that I actually honestly have a hard time remembering some of the details. It is weird. It's, the amnesia. It's all a little fuzzy. So weird. Yeah. Yep. So I, I wish I could even give a lot more like detail or wise words. But all I pretty much remember is that my child would not sleep in the bassinet. Um, I decided to co-sleep. He's generally slept on my chest on a bed or on the sofa yep all the things you're not supposed to do and i was a zombie so yep that was pretty much my first few months so uh how about you well one quick question i yeah mm -hmm. i just wanted to ask you related to if you could so now okay with what you know now and what you experienced now i guess if you could go back is there just maybe a couple things that you might do differently like i'm just imagining the right only now, things yeah. i can think of that I would truly not do saying it. you were do doing anything wrong. Just no, say, no. But I mean, I'm sure I was doing some things wrong. But I genuinely felt like I did all the steps. Like I took the courses. Like in maybe the first few weeks, I didn't. Like the only yeah, thing I can say normal. is maybe we should have put him down more during those first few weeks. But I mean, he was brand new. You know, brand like new. I just kind of don't feel like I ruined his sleep by not putting him down more in the first week of his life. So that's the main thing. I mean, we swaddled. We, we tried every freaking swaddle. I'm not kidding. I had like 12 swaddles. We we did the white noise. We, uh, you know, I tried a pacifier. He wouldn't take a pacifier. I tried to nurse to sleep. I tried to put him down drowsy. We put up black curtains. I mean, like literally everything that they tell you. I watched awake windows. And I will say some of that was helpful of mm -hmm. being more mindful of like those awake windows and being more on top of it. But I, I feel like I went through the entire checklist and he just was not ready to be separated from mama. And I, once I actually got to a point of just being like, okay, maybe this is my kid. Mm -hmm. I felt like things got so much better when I was just like, you know what, maybe he is just having a rougher time adjusting to the world outside and he needs me. And that's okay. And we're just going to do it as safely as we can. And I need to stop beating myself up about it. And also stop Googling, stop asking everybody's advice. Because if one more person told me to swaddle or turn on white noise, I know we're going to get to that. But 
I was going to lose my mind. So anyway, that was kind of my experience. I can't say that second kiddo, I I would do anything drastically different. I think I know a little bit more that I would probably start that routine maybe a little bit more smoothly. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it just kind of was what it was. A hot mess. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just interesting because, you know, hearing you tell the story again and then thinking about it, it's, you know, sometimes you're like, hey, was there anything you – you would have changed or do a little bit differently. And I mean, it's sometimes it's hard, you know, you can look back on a certain aspect, but it also does become a little bit kind of cloudy. It really is for me at this stage. And, you know. Yeah, I know it wasn't, but just a year, you know, year and a, I mean, it's a year and a half now, but yeah, I, it feels like a lifetime ago to a degree. So, and it was just all a fog, but ultimately I got very little sleep and it was really hard. So yeah, that was kind yeah. of my sleep experience. No, it's good. I mean, this is good to share because everyone has a different one. And, and, you know, so often you hear of someone who, you know, gosh, my, oh, yeah, my my baby from three weeks old is sleeping, you know, these like long chunks every night, you know, six to eight hours or people that would tell me, oh, I have to wake my baby up to feed them. Like that was never my experience. Like Emerson not one time ever needed to be woken up to eat. Like he woke himself up. So (laughs) it's just, you know, everyone's going to have such a vastly different experience. It's very similar, honestly, to the conception journey, right? You know, you have the one friend that went out for margaritas and came back pregnant. And then, you know, you have another person who's on an IVF journey. I mean, sometimes it feels like it's one extreme or another. And I think sleep can definitely fall into that similar category. Yeah. I think in hindsight, the only thing I would do differently is tell myself to chill out. Like, Uh, truly, I I think that's the biggest thing. And and that's what you'll probably hear me repeat the most talking about sleep. Mm -hmm. Everything's a phase. Everything, the good part, the bad part, the good sleep, the bad sleep, you know, their behavior, everything about the first year of life, I feel like just goes in phases. And so, you know, at the first few months, they just kind of are what they are. And I would do the best I could, but also accept that this too shall pass. So, No, it's good advice, uh, even applicable now, truly, in toddler world. So So how about you? So I would say our situation was probably a little bit more, I think, straightforward, kind of what folks would probably expect to hear about someone talking about baby sleep. So, you know, he basically during the day, we put him in, the, it's now been recalled, but it was the pack and play um, that is, is not safe for sleep for, for numerous reasons, but we used it only in daytime supervised sleep. And that was, you know, worked pretty well for naps. He would sleep in that. This is just for about the first month or so. And then we got a swing. And then we would put him in the Fisher Price swing for naps for most of them. And that was helpful because he would, you know, kind of be lulled a little bit. And that was, again, just when he was awake. And then nights we did put him in a bassinet or and then we transferred him to his crib at one month old. So the bassinet was, I mean, he was awake every couple hours. So like I was, you know, he would stir and wake up and I would take him and I would nurse him, in it, you know, and then I would change him in his room and then bring him back to the bassinet and kind of try again. So I did start the bassinet pretty, pretty soon. And then within the first week, I bought a Docatot. And that is like a baby kind of sleep lounger. If anybody's ever heard of a Docatot, they're fairly I'm popular. I'm sure most people have heard of a Docatot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's they're pretty popular, right? I mean, it's like yeah, yeah, pretty. Yeah. I think yeah. they're on most, most women's registries these days. And they're kind of advertised as this is where you would literally dock your child, like throw them in here, like in the middle of the living room, or, you know, they're not for sleep, you know, unless it's supervised, etc. And I went with the, well, it's breathable fabric, the baby's on his back, he's swaddled, it kind of hugs him a little bit, I'm going to go with it's safe enough for sleep. So this is obviously, Emma and I are not providing medical or professional advice here, this is just what we did and the truths of it. 
I'll be honest, my pediatrician was not thrilled. And at his three-month appointment, when he was starting to kind of do a little bit of wiggling, actually leading up to the three-month appointment, it was going to have been two and a half months, she was like, yeah, I want you to take that docotot and I want you to light it on fire in the backyard. <laughs> so she was <laughs> really fantastic. clear about it. Yeah. She was like, look, it's okay. I get it. You felt desperate. You used it for the first couple months. But now that he's starting to roll a little, like, or not, he wasn't rolling, but like starting to indicate that he's in that direction of movement, it needs to be gone. So I actually just pulled it cold turkey, like there it was, it was gone. So um, yeah, his sleep was actually decent, honestly. Um, He did though nurse generally to sleep, or at least till he was drowsy. And I started trying to put him down awake. Um, Not really much crying. I mean, he was so little, I, the thought of like sleep training or any type of like encouraging him to cry a little bit to fall asleep, like wasn't at all like a thought in my mind until right around the four month mark, which I can explain a little more why that was the the case. But one funny thing is I did actually do a lot of reading about baby sleep during my pregnancy. I just felt very convinced. Yeah. I was like, I want to I didn't do a single bit. Not a thing. You know, it was helpful for me in understanding the sleep cycles, understanding why they don't want to sleep in a bassinet. I mean, they've been in our bellies. Like, it's this, the whole world is like so crazy and bizarre to them. You know, they just want that comfort. So I understood all of that. I also was thought co sleeping and attachment parenting and things of this nature were very beautiful, very awesome. I just felt like nervous about it. It made me feel nervous. Um, I didn't really think it would be something I would be comfortable with. So that's why we just st- like stayed away from it. But I do remember he was like less than a week old or about a week old. And I remember trying to lay him down in his crib or his bassinet thinking, okay, you know, he just needs to fall asleep. I know he's tired. He ate. Everything's okay. And I remember putting him in his crib and I had the monitor and I remember like him just crying for a couple minutes. Of course he's crying. He's like a week old. I think back on this and I'm like shaking my head. But in my sleep deprived mind, I was like, oh, he just needs to sleep. He just needs to learn. He can learn. Babies learn. But like <laughs> they don't learn at seven days old. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's one of those oh, things totally. you look back on and you're just like, oh my gosh, poor little guy was crying. Like, where's mommy? Although, I now realize my little guy is very dramatic. And so, yes, he was crying. And yes, he was a newborn. But he's also, yeah, a very solid dose of crying and drama. People are like, my baby grunts or my baby, you know, just starts to move around a little when they're hungry or need something. I'm like, ah, my baby screams. <laughs> See, that was something that, and I think that's something that we bonded over is we had very expressive children when they are upset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would watch these stupid videos of like, also the taking care of baby ones where it was like, these babies would wake up and they're like, wah, wah. Oh, that gosh. was not yes. my child. And oh, that no. was not my child at a week old. That was not my child at three weeks old. Not my it child now. Bloody murder. And they were like, well, if you hear them stir, just ignore them. Like, no, he doesn't stir. Yes. He screams yeah, bloody ignore. murder. Yeah, and let like, them put themselves back to sleep. It's like, let I, mean, I would do scream. all the things. He would yeah. be asleep. I would lay him in the bassinet. It was literally the second I took my hand off of him, wailing. And so it was just like, what was I supposed to? That's how I felt. It was like, what am I supposed to do? My alternative is to leave him in the crib to cry, which mm-hmm. I did not feel okay about it, you know, no. three weeks old. But it's funny. Yeah. It just goes to show how different kids are. So Owen hated the, the rock and play. He hated a docotot, bought it too. I had an expensive mamaroo swing, hated it too. So there was just nothing that appeased oh, that not sweet even the child. He liked being in, in the wrap. So we did a lot of napping in the wrap, um, me walking. He liked me in movement. But if I stopped walking, he would wake up. So oh. um, I don't know how many, how many miles I did around our neighborhood or around our house. So yeah, 
you know, as I said, every kid's every kid's different. So just know if you have a little Owen, they'll be okay. You'll and you also it. have to, yeah, be mindful truly of the sleep props. I think I said I said earlier I said pack and play. I meant rock and play. The pack and play is not recalled. The yeah. rock and play is the. It's like kind of like like it opens like an upside down triangle. So it kind of hugs the baby on their sides. And the reason for the recall, wasn't it having to do with children rolling in it in suffocation? Or, yeah. or there's like, you know, the- it's so funny. We just finally threw ours out today. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we didn't use it. It's just been in storage, but we were like, no, we're not going to bring that one back. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a suffocation. And we wouldn't either. Issue. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. it got, it was recalled. I think when the boys were like maybe three, four months old, like they were already yeah. way too old for it, but just the, the well, but that was matter. part of the problem is parents were, and I'm not judging if you did it, so please know we're all doing our best but kids were staying in it longer than they should and it was when they could start rolling and they would not only suffocate they were flipping them over and that was another issue with them so anyway they were just yeah they would like literally flip the thing over when they could yeah so it was it was dangerous but anyway yeah um, it is but it's definitely definitely something just to just to be mindful of and you know got to chat with your pediatrician about it you've got to find what works best for your family and then ultimately i mean there's a, I would say there's a tiny risk with everything, right? Like there's a risk with co-sleeping. There's a risk with using a sleep prop. I oh, mean, yeah. there's. That's why I'm, I'm like, so. I co-slept and I also half the time co-slept on the sofa, which is also where they tell you not to co-sleep. But it was mm-hmm. funny. I just almost felt more secure there because I just like snugged him in where we were both in like this very fixed position. So neither of us could really move. So that felt more secure to me. But I also really never slept very much when we co-slept, to be mm-hmm. honest, like I was kind of awake the majority of the time. So I guess that's probably why I felt safer about it is I just didn't sleep. I just voted for lack of sleep. So hard. I got some decent stretches. Like I would get like, you know, he would sleep maybe, I don't know, four hours, wake up, eat, sleep another three, wake up, eat, sleep another sometimes not anymore after that and that was kind of well they it got that shorter and shorter and in Mm -hmm. the morning it was always so impossible to get them to you know yeah to extend it longer so anyway those were kind of the first few months which i'm sure we could go on and on about it's like it comes back to you after you start to chat about it yeah you're just like oh i remember this and then that but yeah so. so one thing that comes up a lot with sleep, well, with everything to do with babies, but specifically sleep is dealing with advice, like you get advice and opinions from other people. And then how can you assert your desire to do things your way while also being somewhat respectful of the advice, etc. So wondering a little bit for you, Emma, if you had any experiences like that. I mean, obviously, some of the advice is grounded, right? It would be, for example, helpful to have someone say something, hey, this really worked for me, that could be helpful. Um, And also for both of us, I think we can reflect back and say, hey, if we had another kid, what might I do differently, etc. But I'm just wondering if you ever heard one, Emma, that is a personal favorite of mine, and that is sleep when the baby sleeps. Yeah, that was really, really cute. I, I've just never really gotten that concept because I don't know. I mean, occasionally when he would nap on me, I might be able to take a short nap but especially the times that he was actually napping in the bassinet it was like 30 minutes and it was like how much can I possibly get done before he wakes up so mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know many moms that that was actually practical for um if so I think it's great I think moms should try to prioritize you know not trying to do all the things while their baby sleep and rest but yeah that did not work for me and it pretty much just irritated me when somebody told me to do that it's just it's just hard advice to give, I think, especially unless you have like literally a, a mom living in with you, a mother-in-law living in with you, and even then 
they probably just want to hold the sleeping baby. (laughs) I will say one of the things that was a benefit to the fact that my child would not sleep anywhere but on me is I I had a lot of downtime. I was kind of forced to because he would only sleep on me. And I'd say the majority of the naps, I just sat on the sofa. I wasn't. Either we went on a walk maybe once a day in the afternoons and and he would nap during that. But there was usually a good two-hour nap during the day that I would lay on the sofa and I turned on TV shows. I watched, let's say I watched Nashville, I watched Bad Moms. I watched several TV shows. And that was hard because part of me was sitting there going, oh my God, but I need to do this. I need to do this. I was usually starving because (laughs) I couldn't get anything to eat. (laughs) But it actually did make me just kind of like sit down and chill a little bit and yeah so it wasn't the worst part i kind of did have some yeah relaxing time that actually is good that's Mm -hmm. yeah i think the thing is with any advice during those early stages is you're a new mom and you already feel like you don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and even the most well-meaning advice that is truly just there because somebody wants to help and they know you're tired i took it very personally like i was failing and so I I wasn't really open to anything, whether it felt like criticism, whether that was real or not. In my head, any advice I received was mm-hmm. criticism and I was doing True. something wrong. And that was the reason my child wasn't sleeping. And so I, I kind of at a point had to stop seeking advice and really cut it off. Because I remember I posted a picture once on my Instagram stories of like, struggling with Owen sleeping and something, something. And I'm not getting, I had like 30 DMs of people telling me advice of what I needed to do differently. And I just sat there and cried because I was like, I'm obviously screwing up so badly, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and so finally I just had to like cut all that out. And that was something my husband was big on because every day I would come to him. Okay. So I read this article and we need to try X, Y, and Z. So I ordered this off Amazon and they said this swaddle was going to be the magic. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you have to stop. Like you have to stop right now. And uh, yeah, so that, that would be a big tip to new moms is, do the best you can. Sure. Pick a resource. Like if you want to find one resource to follow, great. But do not seek every piece of advice or, or thing you can find on the internet as your magic solution. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, just realizing that when somebody else shares like what their baby is currently doing, um, you know, or, or what their baby did in the past, like if you know, you're chatting with a mom friend who has much older kiddos, they probably are having some of the <laughs> mom brain or whatever that we're experiencing now where it's kind of hard to think back. So like someone asks us like, oh yeah, I guess that is true. He did do that. Or, oh, that was hard. It's like, you don't always remember all of these things. So I think sometimes the person who's telling you, yeah, my kiddo slept through the night from, you know, four or five months old. Well, that baby probably did not sleep through the night during teething moments or during, you know, a transition or like, I mean, there are probably a lot of situations where the kid wasn't sleeping through the night, but what they remember is like the bulk of it. So absolutely that's to think about too. Totally. So, um, we know there's big conversation over sleep regressions. So specifically, I think the first one that comes to mind is the four month one, which is notoriously pretty rough. So, um, so what was that like for you? Super rough. He started learning how to roll over right around, um, right actually before that. He started 
trying to roll over a little bit or was kind of like starting to move around like the three months. So that's why we were like, okay, like got to get the, get rid of the docotod and burn it. Like the pediatrician said, we didn't really burn it. Um, and then he did start to really, I remember it was, it was June because it was four, about four months in and he was, would roll to his belly and then scream hysterically until I would come in and roll him back to his back. And then he would roll back to his belly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was like he couldn't help himself, but then he got so mad that he was on his belly. So that's where I say, like I said earlier about having to let him cry a little bit. At the four-month mark, I finally did because it wasn't like I would leave him for longer than, you know, just a couple of minutes. But he had to learn that, like, he was okay on his belly and that he could just simply cry a little bit and, like, be okay. Because he wanted to be on his belly. He started learning to sleep on his belly and he loved it. And that was his preferred way of sleeping for months. And so that was a challenge, was kind of like feeling like, you know, my heart hurt every single time I heard him cry. But yet I knew like he just has to learn to sleep like this. But for those two weeks, I mean, I was in there many, many times a night having to like try to flip him back over, rub his back and soothe him or nurse him just a little bit more so he was sleepy enough that he would fall asleep. And oh my gosh, it was a disaster. See, it's funny because ours was a disaster, but it was actually a really good turning point for us because our sleep had been so terrible to that point. Actually, kind of the change in, you know, because this four-month sleep regression is really a change in their sleep cycles. Like, they they are sleeping now more like adult sleep. Um, So... It, it was a opportunity for us to make some real changes. We moved him to his crib. That was, we just kind of decided to do all the things at once, which I'm not recommending this, but we took away the swaddle and we moved him out of our room and he started sleeping on his belly. So it was like the trifecta of, well, let's see how this goes. And I remember the first night we put him in there and he had never slept more than two hours at a block overnight. And he slept for like eight hours. And we were like, what just happened? And he cried a little bit. But it was like, as soon as the kid found his belly, he mm-hmm. slept way better. And now that eight hours did not last for more than a couple nights. But it was like life changing. So yeah, we kind of just went with the everything is shifting right now. So let's just make the transition and get away from all these different props or different situations. And um, actually, it was a good change for us because I slept so much better when he was not in our room and he slept better too. So yeah, no, I, I definitely don't regret the fact that we kicked him out of our room. We did it a little bit early. I mean, you know, I think the recommendations more like the six month mark, but at one month, we were like, bye, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See ya. So, but yeah, no, that, that was the tough one with rolling at four months. Uh, and then of course there's always the early wakings that especially we got quite a few of those, like right around like the 12, 13 month mark when he started learning to walk. I think that it's pretty common. It seems like whenever they're hitting pretty significant milestones, rolling over, learning to crawl. Oh yeah. Nine months learning to crawl. That was also a little crazy. And then walking, you know, 12, 13 months, whenever they start walking and then, most recently, I feel like it's been the separation anxiety and also just kind of like some of those other growth milestones happening at this kind of 16 to 18 month. It seems like whenever there's those kinds of things going on, it's like their little brains can't also handle the the sleep aspect. 
Yeah, I feel like with every kind of developmental milestone, there is a sleep disturbance. So they'll kind of be in a groove and you think you know what's going on. And then there's a week that you're suddenly like, what is happening? And yeah, it makes you a little crazy and you start looking up all the things and, you know, but again, and then it kind of passes and then it comes back again. So yeah, everything comes in waves and phase. And I say that so casually now, but truly for all those different weeks, I would lose my mind. (laughs) I know it was just so stressful. I think the other thing is that there are parents who, and this is a, like a pretty much a hot topic. I didn't realize it was such a hot topic until I had Emerson, but talking about sleep training or not talking about cry it out or not. I feel like there are a lot of programs and a lot of suggestions that tend to have a very like kind of feels a little bit to me like an all or nothing approach. Like, so you do this and then you leave the room and then you do this or you, you know, your, your kid has to cry for this amount of time. And I feel like, and I just happen to know a lot of what you did, Emma, because we chatted all the time about the sleep and I knew what you, you guys were doing in your house. And it was pretty similar to us is that you have to find what works for you and like what your threshold is. So like for me and for, for my husband, generally it was, a little bit quicker. Like we would go in after that, like four to five minute mark. And, you know, and, and, and for us, like waiting, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes really wasn't, wasn't honestly something we were as comfortable with. However, were there times when he was at a clean diaper, he was fed, there was no fever, there was nothing going on. And he was just losing his mind for no reason where it did go longer, like 10, 15 minutes. Absolutely. So I realized that some people wouldn't ever want their baby to cry that long. And that's totally okay. Like I think everyone has to find their own balance with that. But what I found interesting was reading Emily Oster's crib sheets. She really breaks down, you know, the, the talk of sleep training is sleep training, you know, harmful for the child in any way. And her end takeaway from it was that from all of her research and everything that she's learned about, it does not cause permanent harm to a child. And ultimately it comes to what is best for the family. So if like mom or dad is going back to work, let's just say the main caretaker is going back to work or, you know, there's extreme sleep deprivation happening because the baby's waking up five, six times a night and they certainly do not need to be because they're fed and they're changed, et cetera. You know, her argument is within sleep training might be necessary to keep the family in a healthier place, mentally, physically, et cetera. However, if you're co-sleeping and you don't mind your baby latching several times a night and, you know, you're okay with that and maybe it's your one baby and you have your partner is able to be home a lot more with you, whatnot, then fine. Like maybe that just works for you. So I thought that well, was kind of interesting. I think this is something we might have differed on. Owen, we are, I mean, our biggest struggle is it was many, many months that he woke up every two to three hours. At, like we had those first a few nights of like these long blocks, but it was until six months plus that he was waking up every two to three hours to nurse. And I did it. I just did it because I was not mentally prepared. Like we had let him do a little bit of crying, but in the middle of the night, I was very worried about my husband waking up all the time. And I knew he had to work and I got up and nursed him every two or three hours. And then it wasn't until six or seven months that we did decide to do some sleep training and we actually did did let him cry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had one night, I was, it is ingrained in my brain. He cried for two hours and it wasn't by himself. Dad went in every, it started at 10 minutes and then for, I'd say went in every 15 or 20 minutes or something like that. It lasted two hours and I cried and it was really hard, but I was at a point I just could not function anymore. Like I could not keep going in and nursing this child every two or three hours. It was not hunger 
you know, dad tried to go in and comfort. He would just lose his mind. If I went in to try to comfort, all he wanted was to nurse. And I just flat out, for my mental health, for our function of our family, we couldn't do it anymore. And so, you know, I, I read all the things and it's what we ended up doing. And we'll say the first night, yeah, he did cry a couple hours. It was torturous. I drank wine and cried. And the next night, it was probably an hour and 15 minutes. And then the next night, it was 45 minutes. And then he slept. And I'm not saying he never had night wakings again because I wasn't trying to be hardcore. I wasn't like I'm unwilling to ever get up and nurse him. I was just unwilling to do it every two or three hours. Like it was very reasonable for his age to be able to sleep four to six hours without needing to nurse. And so, yeah, that was kind of the method we did. And it did really work pretty successfully. And then there were regressions of, you know, teething and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't always stick with it. But that has basically been when things get a little too out of hand. So if if we start to have more than two or three nights in a row of suddenly he's waking up multiple times to a point where I feel like it's not age appropriate. He's completely healthy. He's just kind of having some separation stuff or, or whatever then we kind of fall back to that. Me and dad communicate on, okay, bud, if if he wakes up before, you know, midnight or something, dad's mm-hmm. going to go in and we're just going to do the routine. And for us, it has been pretty successful. Um, and we haven't had to endure a ton of nights of like ridiculous crying or anything. But, you know, for some parents, that's too much. It was too much for me. And there's been times where I have completely caved and gone in and nursed my child. So we, we kind of do the best we can, but we did do some, some sleep training. Yeah, that's, I think that's really, it's good to share it. And, you know, it's also every kiddo is different. So I guess the, the difference would be, you know, Emerson would cry for what that like five or so minutes, five, 10 minutes, we would go in and he could just be soothed. My husband would rub his back or I would, you know, nurse him if, if that was, you know, the timing for that or whatnot. And he would just go back down and then he would sleep for another chunk. So I feel like it truly does depend on the child. And you also have to, to find what works for you. And, you know, for us, the early morning wakings, how did he finally stop that? Well, it was because I left him in his crib. He would get up at 530 in the morning and Wah! and I realized he's just doing that for about five or so minutes. Then he will play and then he will fall back asleep. And now he does it. He wakes up. He does not cry. If he does cry, it's one little whack, and then he goes right back down. And it kind of takes a little bit, I think, of figuring your kid out and kind of playing a little bit of that give and take. To, and I think that's the thing me and you talked about the most is there became a point that we felt like we knew our child. And we knew the times during naps mm-hmm. where they would wake up in the middle and cry. And we knew so that true. they were still tired. And yep. we knew that we, if we gave them five minutes, they would fall back asleep. And if we rushed in, then they were permanently awake and they were still overly tired. And so I think that was just a big thing was reaching a point where we felt like we knew our child and we could trust when was the times we needed to let them cry for a few minutes and be okay because ultimately it was worth them crying for five minutes to sleep for another two or four or whatever hours um, versus when we needed to go in because it seemed out of character. We were, you know, like, eh, I just don't feel good about it. And so I think just learning to trust those instincts a little bit was really helpful. That's a really, really good point. Absolutely. No, that's good to share too. And realizing that there are going to be those times when your kid is crying, you think that they're still really tired and then they keep crying and then eventually you go in and then they have a poopy diaper and then you just feel like a jerk. Yep. <laughs> like, you're like, you know, screw yeah. that one up. 
Totally. My or, bad. you know, the, the, I remember, you know, middle of the night, he was just very fussy and tossing and turning. And my, remember my husband was working overnight and I was letting him you know, just cry for a, a couple minutes. Then I went in there, rubbed his back and then I left. He kept crying. I went in there, rubbed his back, kept crying. And then, you know, then finally I, I'm like, all right, you take his temperature, took his temperature. He did have a, you know, it was, it was low grade, but a little bit of an elevated fever. And then you're like, oh, he was just crying because it, it all gets very emotional. <laughs> Oh, for sure. And there was plenty of times I cried and I couldn't handle it. And I went in there and, you know, just nursed my kiddo for comfort. But, you know, for me, there reached a point, frankly, with all the nursing that was he never took a pacifier and he wanted to comfort nurse a ton. Hashtag nipple pain. He never let go. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was the thing. I mean, he would literally never let go. He would never unlatch. And my nipples couldn't take it anymore, period. Mm -hmm. So the the decision was, you got to cry a little bit, kid, because, you know, my nipples are going to fall off. So yeah, do what you got to do. But, you know, and also it's funny to think back through like nap transitions, like we haven't really touched on any of that. But it was all a challenge. Um, Any of those transitions are hard. Like, do you even remember all the nap transitions? (laughs) So I just remember like, because they actually happened around trips. So I remember that he was doing about four naps a day and then starting around like three months or so, it was about three naps a day. And then starting at six months, because he traveled to Arizona, he dropped down to just two. And then he dropped down to one nap during, uh, during COVID. So that was like June. So it's funny that I actually remember kind of, but, but though, when the transition is happening, it's like a hot mess, you know, like, I remember you being like, he's never going to be able to only do one nap, like never. Oh my gosh. Yes. It happens. It just does. Yeah. It seems like, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out exactly what, what are they doing? Like, what do they need? And then, yeah, it's, it's just, it's tough. It is. But you also realize one thing too, that I think is important to mention is that a routine is important and structure is important. And both of us, I think, have been almost to a T with our, with our love for scheduling with the boys and get honoring naps, et cetera. But on the days when like you guys went to Atlanta and he basically slept no hours all day or like when we were traveling as well and Emerson rallied or a day when they truly wake up from a nap after an hour and they do not go back down and you're like, oh my gosh, they can't survive a day on one hour, but they do survive and everything's okay. Everybody will live. Yep. It's like you kind of realize like I would get so hung up. Okay, well, if this happens, then the night sleep will be ruined and okay, yeah, maybe it takes them longer to fall asleep or okay, maybe, you know, this or that, like they're they eventually will sleep and so will you. Like, I don't know. I, I've just tried to be a little bit more practical about, you know what? It's actually, it's going to be okay. Which and yet is, I remember yeah. me and you messaging so many hours of every time our child woke up early from a nap. Like, oh my gosh, it's only been 40 minutes. What is happening? Oh we spent so well, much even, time flipping out of her. Well, even now, like yesterday, he woke up like a full 45 minutes early and I just like left him in his crib and he was just pretty much chilling in there. But then towards the end, he was like, I started to whine. And I'm like, oh, buddy, you're whining and crying like that because you're still tired. But just the way it goes. So, so as I said at the beginning, everything's a phase. It is really good. I do think it's really good to pay attention to awake windows. I think that's really helpful. Um, you know, it, try to have some structure, try to have some routine, but also realize they are not robots. And just uh, like we do not just automatically sleep perfectly. Like how many times do we wake up in the middle of the night here and there? Mm-hmm, like they're going to do that too. And sometimes there's no magic reason for it. It's really irritating. Yes, for sure. But I think when you just kind of try to think about it from that point of view that, you know, they're not little machines. They're not always going to be consistent and try not to drive yourself crazy. And I say all this in hindsight after being a maniac about sleep for a long time. So, 
Yeah, but hindsight is offers some just beautiful 2020. So it's definitely yeah. worth sharing. And I think that, you know, for both of us, we had some things that we felt were particularly beneficial. We've touched on them now, but just to be a little bit more concise about it, I think both of us agree that having the boys in their own rooms was really helpful. So, so definitely do it. I will do it earlier next time. Uh, white noise, tremendously helpful. Yep. Love um, it. We Still do white use. noise and a fan. Yep. Yep. And if it's, by the way, the 4th of July or any days before or after, we recommend a second white noise machine. And drink lots of wine. Lots and lots. Um, swaddles and sleep sacks. I think we both, you said Owen wasn't great in the swaddles. We did use swaddles. The Halo Velcro swaddles. That was one of those money. that drove me crazy because everybody was like, kids truly love swaddle. I really don't think Owen loved the swaddle. We did it. We used the Ollie, actually, until he was – we moved to the Halo when we took his arms out, so we just used the sleep sack. But I actually really loved the Ollie. It was really easy to get nice and snug, and uh, it was just a nice, stretchy, soft material. So I actually really recommend it. Oh, good to know. And I did the Halo Mm -hmm. Velcro uh, for the most part, and – uh, we would just Velcro down his little arms, and then once his arms were out, we would just put the Velcro around his belly. So it kind of gives that extra, like, light, like little hug sensation for him, too, and then sleep sacks. So, yep. Um, also, routine. I think we both found routine, and you've mentioned several times, I'm awake windows, which is just really important, like, when they start to get drowsy, and being aware of what those wake windows are. So both of us were you know, discussing with taking care of babies, how, for example, she provides like those, that schedule and that structure. So that's something you can take a look at and it can be helpful to see, oh, well, you know, babies are kind of typically awake at this time and typically, and it's like, now I know Emerson wakes up in the morning, he's awake for this many hours, he naps generally for this many, he's awake for this many, and then he sleeps overnight. It's like helpful to kind of plug in a little bit with the needs of your kiddo. So. Yep. Absolutely. Um, also, I think we both agree that educating ourselves about what they were going through developmentally is helpful. So it's like, you know, as frustrating as it is to be like, well, what the heck is going on with, you know, why are they waking up all the time when you can kind of take a step back and say, oh, right, it's a really big deal to be able to roll over. <laughs> um, and that is a huge developmental shift for them or, oh, walking is massive or teething is tough. Like going through those kinds of, I guess, you know, educational like things where you're actually trying to learn what's happening for your child that can make you more understanding about what they're experiencing and certainly a bit more compassionate. Yeah, we use the Wonder Week app, which I I mean, I don't think it's completely accurate on the dates, but it was really helpful just to kind of understand the developmental changes that were going on. So totally. Yep. And then we also just, you know, talk again about just learning to relax and much as possible. And then being on the same page with your partner. I think that's really helpful too. just discussing and working through things together at the beginning of the night. So you're not making frustrated decisions at three in the morning when your kiddo is losing their mind. That is some of the best choices we've ever made was Mm -hmm. have the conversation of, okay, if he wakes up, Mm -hmm. this is the plan. Because there were several times where we were both got really irritated with each other at the middle of the night because we didn't know what was going on. And yeah, so not not the the time to get into a fight. You were the one that gave me that advice. You were like, yeah. look, like, and, and it worked out really well. Like, so I remember us saying, okay, like he, you know, has slept multiple nights through the night from like, let's just say eight to two. We know he can go a six hour stretch. So if he gets up before two, like, honey, you're going to go in there and rub his back. And if it's after two, I will nurse him. Like I remember us having these conversations and it might feel a little arbitrary, like a line in the sand, what magic happens at 2 a.m. But it also was helpful for us to kind of say, you know, we, we've got to start establishing some 
you know, boundaries a little bit with sleep and nursing and all that. And it's helpful to be on the same page with your partner. And then also just, I think for us trusting that, you know, your baby will be okay and that each baby has their own individual struggles and successes with sleep. And that's normal. And to try as hard as you can not to compare, which is really tough when you have that friend that's like, oh, my baby's sleeping through the night. Or, you know, it's like, oh, it's so hard to hear that when you're Do you remember when Emerson started really truly sleeping through the night as in like, you know, that 10 to 12 hours? I do. It was when we were in Arizona back in January. So it was basically right around the one year mark. Yep. We were about 13 months. So I just say that because I know a lot of mamas who have their four month old sleeping through the night perfectly. Mm -hmm. That was not us. And that was with doing some sleep training. But I truly think he just did it when he was ready. And I did nothing to force it magically. He just one day started sleeping and then more times than not he did. And then, you know, so he -hmm. just slept when he was ready to. And I know that's hard to hear and it doesn't work for every family. But um, there is just some every kid's different to, you know, end of the story. No, that's very true. Even like with nursing, like I was like, I didn't say at one year, I'm no longer nursing him overnight. It was just simply that he started sleeping through. And then it became obvious that even those few times when he would wake up, I would attempt to nurse him. And he would like, kind of nurse a little and then stop like he wasn't even hungry like so it's you start to realize like your kiddo is like trying to tell you something too, which is helpful. And I think just finally to remember, like it's a marathon, like I think about you know, you and I, like, this is not a sprint. Like, we are about to encounter... We're about to get into toddler sleep, toddler which is, like, full. Like, I'm dreading yeah. the day he switches to a toddler bed and is running around his room <gasps> like a maniac instead of sleeping. Oh, my gosh. So, like, that's yeah. gonna, that'll be a whole yeah, other Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. So, <laughs> trust me, we'll have a baby sleep or toddler sleep part two for sure in our future. But, yeah, you're yeah. completely right. It's, it's a long game. And, honestly, enjoy the good night of sleep where you get them and try not to sweat or take the bad nights of sleep really personally. Um, I think Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that helped us is I went through a really hard period where I would wake up still holding on to a lot of frustration and even Mm. I don't want to say anger at him, but yeah, I was just frustrated. Like, why didn't you sleep? And I'd wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is go to the books and try to Google what happened. Best thing I ever did was wake up, go in, greet my baby happily and just move on with the day. As opposed to like holding on to whatever might have happened the night before. Even if I was tired, I went in cheerfully to see my kid because he was always happy in the morning and he didn't remember what happened the night before either. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just let it go. Honestly, what happens in that crib, it's like Vegas, man. It is, man. Totally. That's, they don't that should just be the end of the episode. <laughs> what happens in the crib is like Vegas. And speaking of Vegas, the two final tips we have, coffee and booze. The There's nothing like a good cup of coffee in the morning. You can have two cups, mamas. It won't affect baby sleep for nursing. Emma and I are nope. tested and tried. Promise. Two cups are fine. And as, as for the booze, also pump and dump is a myth. So we're talking, you know, a glass of wine or a beer here and there. Like we're not, you know, doing shots at the bar. So I guess it's not as Vegasy as you might like. But the point is that you can also have a glass of wine or drink a beer and not think twice about it. If you can drive a car, you can nurse a baby. Yep. Quote me. Do what you got to do to take Quote care me of that. yourself. I will. I will. <laughs> Well, definitely, everybody, we hope that you gained a little something about baby sleep in our episode and that you will certainly be tuning in next week when we, again, have the privilege to sit down with Ariel Greenleaf. And we're going to dig into 
some of the more nitty gritty, those questions that you have asked us about more specific stuff for sleep suggestions and tips right from a professional. So we're delighted to have her. And in the meantime, as always, would you please rate and review us? It makes a big difference. It helps other mamas to discover our podcast. And you can also check up on us on Instagram at ABCs of Matrescence. See what we have going on there. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. It's really been a lot of fun to be with you guys over, gosh, certainly now more than 20 episodes. We are enjoying this and very happy to have you all as part of our community. Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you guys soon. Good night. Bye.